We're just going to talk about comics, and that's comic books, everybody. This is the podcast where two brothers talk about comic books that they loved growing up, and still love, to be honest. And someday we might talk about comics that we only loved after we grew up. There's no telling what we'll do. I'm one of the two brothers. My name is Will Hines. I'm the other brother, Kevin Hines. And um, yeah, maybe we'll do comics we've never loved and never will love. Maybe we'll do comics we have never even heard of. Maybe we will do next, next week, let's cover mugs. Just the entity of mugs? Just like some, just we'll, we'll have a few mugs each and we'll just review them between each other. That's good because that's even less suited for audio podcasts. <laughs> that's right. Because um, uh, we're, we're already ju- doing a visual medium in an audio. Uh, we, but we are on Zoom so we can see each other. So I'll bring three mugs. You bring three mugs. Yeah. They'll and then people call will just it, screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. Right. And then people will listen to it. It'll just be like, what do you think of this one? And you'll be like, it's good. And we'll, we will yeah. not elaborate further. Yeah. Well, as you can probably tell, Kevin and I are comedians. Uh, You're probably still laughing at that last bunch of jokes. So as you you wipe away the tears of humor (laughs) from your eyes, we're comedians and performers and uh, improv teachers, and we're just really interesting dudes. And um, but we're also brothers. We're real life brothers, and we love comic books. And this season, we are talking about the comic book Justice League International. And this episode, we're doing issue number eight. Yes, that's right. Um, this was going to be the last episode of our season. I picked it because I felt it was a nice epilogue mm-hmm. to the first seven issues. We're going to go a little further now. We're going to go to issue 400. We're going to go to issue 400, which they didn't exist. We are writing issues furiously. Yeah. To fill to in. To get ahead of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we I, already have, go- I already have an issue where Martian Manhunter gets really obsessed with the show Lost. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's if you do an issue per episode... <laughs> That'll really fill in some yeah. issues. I think we're going to go to issue 12 of Justice League International and then possibly jump over to Justice League Europe for a few issues. That's right. Um, before we dive into the issue, I'm going to give you an update on my son's comic book obsession. Uh, exciting. Um, so he is three and a half. That's right. And uh, the other, he, we make him do quiet time around three-ish. So he has okay. to sit in his room and he read books, reads books. But next to his bedroom is my office where I keep some comic books. Um, and a couple of days ago during quiet time, he snuck into my office and stole a couple trades of Justice League International. Oh, wow. I found them in his room. Uh, he's flipped through them a number of times. He really loves Rocket Red. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of a cool design. Yeah. Um, He's also really obsessed with Spider-Man villains. So this is a feather in the cap of Steve Ditko. He Great. loves the Spider-Man. He loves Spider-Man in general. He says Hulk is his favorite, but he talks about Spider-Man so much. <laughs> and that, uh, that really, uh, Spider-Verse kind of unlocked that for him, right? That pushed it forward. And then I also show spectacular Spider-Man episodes. So that really I helps. See. But he also found the epic trade with great power. Um, and he loves slipping through that. Oh, wow. He loves these villains. He loves to pretend to be Electro in particular. He loves Electro. But he loves all those original villains. What do you think it is sets. about a particular villain that draws him? Like, why Electro and why not Craven? Whew, I don't know. He likes he likes them all. Lizard's probably his least favorite. <laughs> um, but he loves Electro. And he, you know, he likes Mysterio okay. 
and Craven. He loves Doc Ock. He loves referring to Doc Ock in his powerful arms. <laughs> um, but he often wants to be Electro, and so I'll often be Craven as the one I pick. Okay. Um, uh, though he also likes being Sandman and having me be Rhino because they're friends in the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon. <laughs> okay. So he likes that. <laughs> Rhino, the, the the rare non-Ditko character that he loves. He likes Venom okay. Uh, so he's a real Ditko head. He loves Green Goblin. He also likes Hobgoblin, which he only knows from the Superhero Squad, which <laughs> is like a made-for-really-young-kids cartoon. And in the only Hobgoblin episode, he throws garbage at people. Yeah. So when he is the Green Goblin, he throws pumpkins. And then he makes you be the Hobgoblin. He goes, you throw garbage. <laughs> he thinks that's the Hobgoblin's thing. And it's very funny. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's a lot of fun. And today he threw a birthday party for Electro. Um, he also quizzes my wife on these characters that she knows some of them. She's learning them really well to keep up with him. It is very funny. His obsession with these characters, all he wants to do is play superheroes, which is both wonderful and exhausting. Talk to me when he gets into the Roger Stern issues. Yeah, I mean, that'll, that'll be a while. I don't have, a, there's, no, <laughs> there's no good collections, so that'll yeah. really slow him down. Uh, that's really fun. Yeah. Um, so Electro, what a one to pick. Yeah, he's not, I don't See? love Electro. Um, maybe he's good in the spectacular Spider-Man cartoon. I don't know. I don't think I mean, Electro has a personality. He's kind of just a thug, right? He's like, there's not a lot to him. In the cartoon, he is, he, he whines a lot. <laughs> so I don't know <laughs> if that's even good. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Sandman is the one he should love. He's so cool. But what do I know? That's, um, I love that he's into him. I love that he snuck into your office and took them. Yeah. He loves to steal comics. He stole uh, my collection of the Rocketeer today. And he goes, I want to mm. read this. He likes <laughs> Rockets. I mean, he just picked it at random. He's like, this is the one I want. And I'm like, I don't. He's also read some of my Richard Sala comics, which are more So upsetting. weird and trippy, yeah. Well, they're also violent and have, like, naked women in them oh, sometimes. Wow. Um, but he grabbed a Peculia and the Goon Grove vampires the other day and flipped the whole thing. And he was being quiet, so I was like, oh, I guess this is okay. And then he got to the end and he showed it to me and it's like this picture of her staking this vampire in blood going over the girl's <laughs> face. He goes, what's her name? <laughs> and I was like, the monster's name? I don't know. <laughs> what's she saying? And she was saying, cack, because she was dying. It was a dying grunt. I, was like, I don't know if I like you reading this. No, no, read it to me, which I, I don't want to do, but it was very funny. I love it. So, How come you don't read to me? Well, you are in another state. Okay. Someday. You can read. Oh, yeah. That's right. So anyway, that's a a little backstory on what's going on in my comic book related life. We'll have to have him on as a guest at some point. Yeah. Yeah. He'll love it. Um, Well, Kevin, what did you think of this issue? I really like this issue. Uh, It's it's in general... I'm I'm rereading. I'm way ahead, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts. I'm, uh, uh, oh man, what issue am I on? Let me give you, let me t- see if I can find out real quick. I am on issue forty-ish of Justice League America. Wow, and that is like twenty of Justice League Europe. I'm in that range, and um, yeah, there was a long time where this comic really had a big, big presence. Yeah, and it's it's still good, but it is interesting. Like I like the ones where they're actually superheroes generally more than the ones that are 
just comedic. And this one is just comedic, I would say. Yeah. I love it. This one strikes the right balance for me anyway. Maybe because it's followed seven issues where they haven't been just comedic. And yeah, it's, a, it's almost time, time for a break, too. Um, and this is like, even though I really enjoy the first seven issues, this is the issue I read and I'm like, yeah, this is Justice League International. This is the issue where Sandman sits at the park bench with death. Nice and, metaphor. And they're like, now we know what this comic is. That's a reference to Sandman comics, everybody, which is, issue, uh, that's also issue eight, I think. Is it? Uh, yeah. that, I mean, that happens a lot, right? We've talked about that. Like you, you find your, your zone and you're like, oh, now we get it. Right. Um, it is, um, it is the paintball episode of community. They probably figured it out before then, but by then it was like, oh yeah, this is the show. Yeah. Uh, well, there's something about this issue, which is mostly comedic. There's not a lot of action, maybe none. Um, but I really do love it. Like you say, we haven't had one like this. So at this point in the series is run, it's a novelty to have kind of like an all character, no action issue, but it's also well done and funny. And I, I really enjoyed it. Also, when Keith Giffen left the, the comic, um, it kept the name Justice League International for a while. I think it switched over. Justice League Europe became just, it was confusing. Justice League Europe becomes Justice League International and Justice League International becomes Justice League America, uh, which it makes more sense. Um, but they would refer to this era as the Bois-ha-ha era. Oh. Because frequently through these issues, when people laugh, they laugh with a Bois-ha-ha. This is the first issue, I think, where they do that. Okay. This is the beginning of the Bois-ha-ha era. Yeah. It also fully cements, I think, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle as a duo. Yep. That does happen. We start to get a glimpse at Captain Adam also. He's like a new character to this yes. comic. Um, and he becomes a big part of Justice League Europe, but he uh, is important. Yeah. Uh, it, starts, it sets up the embassies. It kind of sets up a lot of things that play out for the rest of this run. I say we get into it. Um, okay. You want, take, you want to take a lap? You want to do some push-ups? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Let's get let's get going. Kevin, let's start with the cover. Issue eight. Yeah. It's it's moving day for Justice League International. Booster Gold and Blue Beetle are heaving a crate and Black Canary is sort of stroking her chin, going, hmm, maybe over there. Right? Yeah, she's playing the stereotypical housewife to their beleaguered husbands. Stanley would approve of this cover. Uh, they hold the bo- they're holding the box clearly upside down. There's a fragile box on top of that that's about to fall off. Also, Spoostergold is has some super strength, but he is struggling with this box, so that doesn't make sense. But doesn't make sense. Um, I would say this is a comedic cover. Yeah, yeah, this feels like a Carl Barksish. Yes, it's a joke. Superheroes moving, get out of town. Yeah, but that is, uh, I think, relevant to what we are going to see within this comic. Oh, it's very accurate. It's an mm-hmm. accurate cover. Uh, moving into the splash page. Um, the title is indeed Moving Day. We we open with Jack Ryder, the Fox News-ish, angry right-wing conspiracy theorist um, talk show guy yeah. or whatever, sp- uh, op-ed guy, who is mad that Justice League has gone international. And he's letting us know that they're setting up embassies everywhere and he thinks it's a disaster. But that tells us, the reader, oh, the Justice League is moving into a bunch of embassies and a bunch of cities, which is what we're going to see over the course of this comic. Yeah, Jack Ryder sort of fades out throughout this comic, uh, uh, but here he is still a big presence. I'm Jack Ryder. Have a good day, if you can. It's almost a J. Jenna Jameson presence. Yep. He's got Ditko hair. He's got, like, crazy hair. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, his hair looks like a, like a Lego man hair that's been like snapped into place into a notch. He's a he is a Steve Ditko creation. Oh, that's right. And so we cut um, outside of what their New York headquarters is going to be, and they're living in sort of like a townhouse or something. And there's a moving van, and there's all kind of cr- a crowd who's gathered to see the local superhero celebrities move in. This is a very Marvel Comicsy kind of scene. Yeah, I mean we've like talked 19, about it. 1960s uh, Marvel Comics. We've talked about this a lot. This 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 whole run has has a a big dollop of Stan Lee, Ditko Kirby ishness to it. Yeah, uh, superheroes dealing with moving is very much like it. You can imagine this being an issue of Fantastic Four. Oh yeah, very much. Although uh, yes, although they've improved upon the 60s Marvel template that I think this is genuinely funnier and a bit smoother. Mm-hmm. But definitely inspired by that. Uh, on page two, yes. um, we see Martian Manhunter actually dealing with the logistics of movers. Like, um, this is just like a page of jokes. Yeah. It's also a lot of things, a lot of uh, running gags also, or at least a running gag gets started here where one of the movers mentions that there's a crate of Oreos being moved in. Yes. And yeah. uh, and Martian Manhunter also, we establish him as like this deadpan kind of funny guy. Yes. I also think this is the issue where uh, uh, John Jones figured they got his voice down perfect in this issue and they keep it for the rest of the run. This is where he kind of becomes den mother. It helps that he's a leader. Like, I think they were trying to do these kind of jokes with Batman and it works better with John Jones. Yeah, it works great. Uh, Uh, One one panel, the guy says, you've got a crate of Oreos on this list. And Martian Manhunter goes, true. And the guy goes, Why? Yeah, yeah, and he goes. Captain Marvel introduced me to them. I like them, but you're from Mars. <laughs> it's yeah. like a helpful thing of like also introducing the character in case you're picking up the issue here. Yes, um, but that's a, a, a ongoing thing. He eats Oreos. Um, I think at some point after this run is over, they are referred to Chacos to avoid using an actual uh, a trademarked name. Okay, um, and uh, I just recently read Jam Tamati's who wrote for Justice League Unlimited, the Justice League cartoon show, wrote an uh-huh. episode about the Martian Manhunter of that cartoon getting addicted to Oreos. <laughs> and he wrote, like, basically, like, a treatment. He posted it on a blog or something. Oh. And uh, it's good. <laughs> it's really good. And I really loved it. Um, there's another joke here, which is, like, the is he joking joke. Yes. Uh, like, they're having trouble lifting one of the crates because they're too heavy. And the movers go, I better call for a porta lift. And Martian Manhunter goes, no need, I'll do it. And he just, you know, hoists it over his head because he's super strong, starts walking up the stairs. And he goes, do you see what a man is capable of when he has his milk and cookies every day? And the movers say to each other, he's joking, right? And the other guy goes, I think he's joking. That's kind of a very, that's a a very JL thing. Yeah. People not being clear when someone's joking. Um as he's going up the stairs, they give out below him and he falls through the floor. Uh, yeah. And that's like something that's established here is the New York headquarters are kind of like run down. Yes. He falls to the, to the lower floor where Mr. Miracle and Captain Adam are working on like a security system, I guess. Uh, yep. Um, and he lands as if he's still holding the box. So the box didn't go with him. The box, the hole was only Martian Manhunter size. So the box is like presumably sitting on the stairs above him. Yes. Uh, he lands on the ground. Captain Adam's like, Jean? And, yeah. and Marshman just answers, yes, Captain Adam. <laughs> and uh, Captain Adam says, I couldn't help noticing that you just fell through the ceiling. And then Marshman responds, oh, uh, oh, is that yeah. what happened? 
I mean, we got a, we're having a good time here. Yeah. Uh, he's sort of nonplussed by throwing through, um, the, the, you know, he's very calm about it. He's very, yeah. he's very relaxed. He brushes off some dust from his shoulders and, and moves on. Kevin, may I digress for a second? I mean, I have already three times. Go ahead. I just found out the word nonplussed does not mean unaffected, which is what I thought it meant. Okay. I've used it like that too. That's how you just used it. Okay. Because it sounds like it. So you want to digress to, to criticize me. Go Criti- ahead. Criti- criticizing you and correcting you. Mm-hmm. Great. You idiot. Great. This is fun. Um, nonplussed means angry. It mm-hmm. doesn't sound like it means that, but that's what it means. Isn't that weird? Well, that makes me nonplussed. Let me see. Are you using it right? You have to talk a little bit more for me to tell. Well, I'm nonplussed that I've been using it wrong. I got it. Okay. Yeah. You're using it right. Um, so anyway, back to the comic now that I've established verbal superiority. Uh, yes. So John Jones is having some jokes and now we get to see, uh, we, I don't really get a feel for Captain Adam's personality too much, but it's, uh, we start to, I guess. Yeah. Captain Adam mostly gets left out of things. That's his sort of, his character. Uh, he's already the most powerful member of the team by being added to this team um, with Captain Marvel gone, other than maybe John Jones. But he doesn't do much, even in the 12 issues we're going to cover. He, he finds his voice when he's leader of Justice League Europe. That's where he gets his thing. He gets it immediately in issue one. You get a feel for him. Okay, so here he's just kind of left out, like Mr. Miracle setting up the security system. He doesn't know what to do. Uh, he's really kind of bored. This is something that happened to Blue Beetle some issues ago, but now Captain Adam is the one looking for something to do. And he sees some uh, two plugs unconnected. There's like all these wires everywhere that I guess yeah. Mr. Miracle is setting stuff up or whatever. Yeah, and he decides to connect some of these wires, which seems like a bad idea to randomly connect wires. It's kind of funny, though. He sees, like, ah, look at these dangling cables. I bet Mr. M forgot to hook them up. This looks like a job for... And right as he's about to plug them in, Captain! Yeah, and then there's a big explosion. Um, And Uh, that's... And his reaction to that explosion is to shoot the security system, blow it up even further. And he just, like, kind of destroys a lot of what Mr. Miracle has set up. I like the sound effect here. Fwakum. That's a fun one. Also, and, Captain uh, Adam is another Steve Ditko creation. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Ditko all over the place here. That's right. How much Kirby and Ditko do we have? We have Oberon and Mr. Miracle or Kirby. Yes. Captain that Adam is it. Ditko. Blue Jack Beetle. Ryder is Ditko. Blue Beetle is Ditko. Well, mm-hmm. this incarnation of Blue Beetle is Ditko. Yes. Um, that's, that's a lot. It's a lot more Ditko than Kirby, though. Kirby mostly just did Fourth World, right? Yeah, for DC, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still represented. It's pretty crazy. Um, it's funny that we picked a comic, you know, we went away from Marvel to DC, you know, had no intention of any Kirby Ditko. We had no Kirby Ditko agenda and yet yeah. they're here. We we have them and we talk about Stan Lee every episode anyway. Marvel nothing nothing has changed. Make by Marvel. Even when talking about the direct competition, <laughs> my distinguished competitors. <laughs> um, so Captain Adam blows up the system. Mr. Miracle's like, um, you didn't have to shoot back. Yeah. And Captain Adam is kind of like, oh, shucks, like, sorry, it was just a reflex. You know, thing jolted me, so I uh, jolted back. I really am sorry. Are you crying? Yeah. Martian manager leans down the hole he made earlier. <laughs> what, what was that explosion? Are we under attack? 
Mr. Miracle's response, in a manner of speaking as he storms off. He's italicized there, so we know he's nonplussed. Um, Captain Adam is kind of sort of a cheerful, naive idiot a little bit. Don't be upset, Mr. M. These things happen. Yeah. Uh, In fact, it's these little mishaps that help bring together, uh, help bring people together, forge bonds of friendship and loyalty. And then he thinks to himself, and I'd better shut up before I make things any worse. I do enjoy him here. Uh, uh, On the next page, when uh, John Jones asks him what happened down there, Captain Adam is just a tiny accident, a minor mishap, a slight misunderstanding, an infinitesimal error. And John Jones goes, what happened? He goes, I blew up the security system. It's funny. Comic's funny. Yeah. So, and then John Jones is fed up. He's complaining to Oberon and he basically lays it out that this place has faulty wiring and flimsy stairs and it's falling apart. And, um, and he goes, well, I hope that the people in the other embassies are having a better time than we are. And then they lose power. Yeah. Uh, but of course they'd have to be. And that's a good segue for us to go to the other uh, embassies. Yeah, we cut to the Russian embassy with Batman and Guy Gardner and Rocket Red. Which establishes that we're going to have a Soviet embassy, which is kind of fun in 1987. We're in Cold War time in the you know the time that this comic is published. This is U.S. versus the USSR to have a Soviet embassy. But this, this is, is sort of un- like having this is an United, Afghanistan embassy or something. It's a United Nations team, and, there's, and the Soviet Union is part of the United Nations, and they had to add Rocket Red to uh, become a U.N., team uh so it it is an important part of this run dealing with the uh, russians when we get to the soviet embassy and there's a nice establishing shot of moscow here is it moscow i assume it's moscow i assume it is it could be st petersburg it's probably moscow and uh, the kgb are waiting outside of the jail's door and they don't like the guy gardeners here because he almost started a war when he was uh involved with the windy ninjas uh attempt to disarm the soviet union yeah, but for the last few issues, Guy has been dealing with, I assume, some serious brain damage yes. uh, and is acting very sweet and sensitive to a sickening yeah. level. It's very funny brain damage. The it's brain damage fun. is hilarious. It's hilarious brain damage. If you're going to get brain damage, this is the kind to get. This You'll is the kind to get. Your he's, friends. he's been turned into a super nice guy, so he can't believe that he, was ever, that he would ever do anything to offend these nice people. And in his current state, that is unbelievable. But it was previous regular angry Guy Gardner who did it. But the KGB have had it. Um, and Rocket Red arrives on the scene to help. That's right. He's sort of an Iron Man-ish kind of guy, right? He's got like the suit of armor with all the powers. Yes. I mean, he's, yeah, he's got no powers himself. He just has a, a, an exosuit with weapon systems and whatnot. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's one of many Rocket Reds that the Soviet Union employs, but this one is being assigned to the Justice League. Rocket He's number Red seven, seven. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. number seven. The numbers kind sometimes of a- get mixed up in some of these issues. Uh, my son asked me a lot of times about the numbers of these Rocket Reds, and he notices when they're different numbers, and I have to be like, I think this artist didn't check. No, interesting. Yeah. Um, I remember that he's seven. It's like because he, he's James Bond's number. Well, yes. Uh, not to give too much away, but... Uh, he is not the rocket red that stays on the team, but seven is the initial one. He gets um, replaced uh, by number four. Who's way happier, right? Like a more cheerful guy. Yeah. Dimitri, who is a really sweet, wonderful guy. Seven is a spy from an alien race. Cool. Can't wait. Get, get ready for that in a, a couple issues. Maybe one issue. 
So Rocket Red deals with the KGB agents. We go inside and Batman is overseeing the moving. And uh, I think compared to New York, everything's going all right. But yes. um, but Batman is aware that they are planting bugs to spy on the Justice League. And he's telling Guy to use his power ring to find those uh, those bugs. And Guy is shocked by the implication. What? You don't think they'd actually try to eavesdrop on us? Why? That's immoral, says the shocked <laughs> and horrified Guy Gardner. But Batman shows his hand that he's already collected some. He knows there's some in there. Uh, and they don't let Rocket Red know about this. Because uh, yeah. uh, a guy gets mad. Oh, my goodness, that's awful. Rocket Red walks in and goes, what is awful? What is awful, he says. I'm what? sorry. What is awful? Do that again? Uh, no, that was Transylvanian. I think I said, what is awful? <laughs> blah. What is awful? Blah, blah. What is awful? You have too much blood in your neck. <laughs> what is awful? I think it was Kevin, better. I got to review your scripting changes for the latest <laughs> Justice League issue. Yeah. You've, uh, I think Has you misunderstand the backstory of Rocket Red. He's a Soviet soldier. Uh, he's not a vampire. Well, uh, my version's funnier. <laughs> um, Guy Gardner almost spills the beans to Rocket Red about the bugs. I know you won't believe this, but Batman found, and then Batman shoves Guy Gardner. Ow! Found what? <laughs> yeah. And found uh, Guy, what? Gardner's, uh, Guy Gardner says he found uh, the bathroom, and boy, was he surprised by that state-of-the-art plumbing. So nice guy, Guy Gardner, is still wise up enough to tell a lie. Yeah. Um, uh, and we see the, the uh, we cut to the, um, uh, I guess, the administrator of this Soviet embassy. Yeah, it's weird that we're going to have them, but I guess bureau the host chief. countries always send some kind of bureau chief who's mm-hmm. like a local to like oversee the operation. And they're playing into uh, what I assume are just Russian stereo- Soviet stereotypes where he threatens to kill his driver if his driver makes him late to meet with Batman. Yeah, and uh, Batman meets the Soviet bureau chief and shakes his hand and pretends to be gracious, but also puts in his hand one of the little bugs to kind of let him know, hey, we're on to you. And uh, the bureau chief does a little running gag off the Captain Adam line. Yeah, and he nothing- sees the bug. Yeah, nothing to worry about, Batman. And then he says... A tiny accident, a minor mishap, a slight misunderstanding, an infinitesimal error, and thinks to himself, damn. James DeMatty says, letting fly with the jokes. Yeah. Then we cut to Star Labs back in the States. And they are uh, helping um, the Justice League get outfitted with equipment, and there's some dude, I don't know who he is, are we supposed to know who he is? I don't think so, but he is dressed loudly. He looks like like the Riddler, basically. Like he's got, not quite, there's no like question marks, but he's got the green and sort of dapper green and yellow look going. He's got a gold watch, um, a white lab coat, but underneath it a very bright, yeah, this orange and green bright shirt. He's walking Mr. Miracle into some kind of room, and we don't see what they're looking at, but the guy's like, she's right in here, get ready, she's a beauty. And Mr. Miracle goes, I get the impression you're fond of her, Mr. Schneller. And then they open the door. They look at it. Mr. Miracle smiles, but we do not see what it is yet. And we cut away to Paris. Yeah. Um, it's early. You want to take our break? I do want to take our break. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. 
Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about or the format of the show or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. And we're back. How was it for you How in Paris? How was your break, everybody? I um, got a lot done. I wrote a screenplay. I fixed a hole in my ceiling. Oh, nice. Um, so we're in Paris, and Beetle and... Booster girls are hanging out in their civilian identities in a cafe, checking out ladies. Yeah, they're a couple of dogs, these two. They're players. They're making time. It's kind of funny, though. Booster does look like sort of a handsome fellow, and Beetle looks a bit of a nerd, I think. It's funny to see Beetle out of costume. Yeah. Beetle, I mean, he's still square-jawed, and he's a good-looking nerd. He's a movie nerd. Movie nerd, yeah. Somehow he gives off a nerd vibe, though. Um. And so they're I mean, looking at all yeah. the women, and there's one in particular that catches Booster's eye. He's re- or actually Beetle is really. They're both very struck by her. Yes, um, and Beetle says, "God, I wish I had the guts to talk to her." And Booster how old Gold, do you think? How old do you think these guys are? I mean, they're superheroes, right? So aren't they all like in their twenties? Like twenty-eight, right? But they're sort of that like. 1970s version of 28 where they look simultaneously 28 and 42. I mean, I would actually assume Booster's a little younger. He is he's a washed out college athlete, I think. Wasn't he? Okay. Or was he a pro athlete? I bet he's like 23, 25 at oldest. But but Blue Beetle like ran a company. He's got to be 28, 29, right? That'd be insane if he was doing that at 23. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm going to say he's 32. He went to grad school. Yeah, right? I'm going to say he's he should be 32, but with comic books, who knows? Yeah. You're sort of perpetually, vaguely 28, and it's never specified. Yeah. Um, so Booster's like, well, maybe you don't, but I do, parentheses, have the guts to talk to this lady. He, like, tightens up his tie, gets up from the table, starts walking over to her. Yep. Uh, I, if I'm not back in a month, see if you can get Superman to take my place. <laughs> Which is a great line. That's a good superhero Justice League line. As if, like, yeah. that'd be a decent replacement for Booster Gold. Right, right. And then the next caption, the next panel has the caption, 46 seconds later, and Beatles doubled over with laughter. Yep, just big, and bold, ha, 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 ha. Booster's dejected. The women in your century sure are different from the women in mine. <laughs> yeah, he's from the future. We cut to the New York embassy. No, it's still the Paris, uh, the, the Paris embassy. embassy rather. And uh, Black Canary is doing all the paperwork and she's yelling at Booster and Blue Beetle for leaving her to deal with it all while they went out on the town. And Beetle is still laughing about Booster, right? Yeah, he, he, it was so funny whatever happened. He has not stopped laughing the whole walk back. And uh, that frustrates Canary because she doesn't know what the joke is. And it also, Booster's a little sick of it because it's at his expense. <laughs> Booster's head is down. He goes, don't mind him, Canary. He's got a sick sense of humor. He doesn't want to talk about how he was humiliated by a rejection of a woman. 
Uh, so Black Canary storms off because she's mad that these these boys these boys will not help. But we get the and, first bwahahaha in this moment, as uh, if that's important to you. Um, Blue Beetle tries to speak. Hey, look, Canary, we didn't mean any harm. We just wanted to take in some of the of the. <laughs> He's laughing so uproariously, and thus the bwahaha era begins. Yep, and Booster he snaps at him. Come on, Beetle, it wasn't that funny. Uh, but Black Henry storms off out of anger, and Booster Gold storms off, and he's like, maybe it's not too late to join the Outsiders or the Teen Titans. And then he walks straight into the woman who rejected him before. Yep. She is the bureau chief of the Paris uh, embassy. She doesn't recognize Booster in his costume. and he's But he's nervous to talk to her for fear that she will figure it out. Yeah, I've got to get, I out, gotta of get out of here before, before she, recognizes. she recognizes me. Yeah. Yeah. Her name is Miss Miss Colbert. Catherine Colbert. All right. Yeah. Sort of like Claudette Colbert. Claudette Colbert, kind of the old movie star. Uh, yeah, very similar. Um, and then uh, Black Canary walks in, and they they talk to each other, and then Booster just gets the heck out, and he's like, he reassures himself, "Calm down, Booster. With your mask on, she'll never recognize you. And the only one who knows what happened is." And then you Beetle. hear very quietly in the background, "Blue Beetle, I'd like to, you to meet." Myth, and then you just hear uproarious laughter from Beetle. That is a funny gag. <laughs> yeah. Like Beetle's just gotten his laughter under control, and then he finds out that the person Booster hit on is somebody that will work with the Justice League for the future. It's at this point that I realize there's going to be no action in this comic. It's yeah. just going to be, it's just going to be jokes, and I love it. I yeah. love it. We're deep into this issue, and the biggest action so far was Captain Adam shooting Mister Miracle's computer. So we cut back to the New York office, and they have done repairs. The hole in the ceiling is fixed. The stairs, I presume, are fixed. Um, and then the movers shout, hey, something's coming. Something's big. And it's the shuttle. And presumably this is what Mr. Miracle was looking at that he loved so much. Yeah. It's Mr. Miracle with our new shuttle, says John Jones. What's he going to do with it, Captain Adam asks. Land it on the roof? And then Oberon says, well, isn't that what super teams usually do with their things? Mr. Miracle's all excited. Hey, guys, she's a real beauty, isn't she? That's coming in over the intercom. We can see that because it's got the little electrical nonsense surrounding the balloon. And the, the, the contractor who's been helping with the move goes, maybe that's what other superhero teams do. But this team will bring the house down if you land that ship here. That's pretty good. That was like very New York and a little Stan Lee. I was trying to be a vampire. Let me hear it again. Maybe that's what other teams do. Is that a good vampire? Mm, pretty good vampire. Let me yeah. try it. I think I can do a little more vampire than you. Hey, maybe that's what other teams do. I'm walking here. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. Uh, these old beams will never hold up. And John Jones says, in that case, I foresee a problem. <laughs> uh, the shuttle tries to land on the roof and it crashes right through it into the top floor. And we see Mr. Miracle in the cockpit saying, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. Uh, and then John and Captain Adam have sort of a smirky conversation. Uh, Martian Manhunter, you'll have to excuse me for a moment, Captain. Where are you going? I need to find a quiet room in which to practice an ancient Martian meditation technique. Oh, really? What is it? It's called screaming. Oh, yeah. I know that one. Mind if I join you? Not at all. Uh, that was our reading of a panel, everybody. If anyone wants to hire me and Kevin to read your audiobook, we are available for a dollar. Yeah, we'll split the dollar. Not evenly. Yeah, not evenly. We'll get 75 cents because he uses grammar correctly. I only get a quarter. If you're going to have Kevin do it, he's going to be using the word nonplussed wrong left and right. Yeah. To be careful. 
Um, and so now we cut to I, I don't know where, but all the league is together in a room. Maybe the I kind of assume the New York is I the main the one. New York, yeah. And um, they're all together, and Beetle is still telling the story about Booster getting slapped. He's still laughing about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Guy Gardner goes, I don't know. I know that Blue Beetle really doesn't mean any harm, but don't you think it's a trifle cruel making light of poor Booster's troubles that way? Uh, nobody likes nobody likes Guy in this nice version. They don't like uh, either version of Guy. <laughs> it's, it's really a drag for that character. Uh, Black Canary goes, uh, why don't you help yourself with some more Oreos, Guy? So we got the Oreos joke. Mr. Miracle saying the ship wasn't damaged. And Oberon comes rushing in, and it's uh, they got their first mission, a bunch of super-powered lunatics running around in Bonn. Uh, that's over in Germany, FYI, John. As if John Jones doesn't know the cities of the world. He's only lived on Earth for like 50 years or something. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're off on the mission. Um, but the last panel of the, the main story uh, has uh, Martian Manter saying, you'll get your... Ch- uh, first, he tells that Blue Beetle will be flying the ship, not Mr. Miracle, because Mr. Miracle crashed it through the roof. Uh, John Jones says, you'll get your chance, Scott, in a week or two. And Blue Beetle responds, nyak, nyak, nyak. <laughs> just, just completely staring into his role on the team of just jokes now. Yeah. Uh, I, there, there was a, Cur, Curly. That, that's Curly from the Three Stooges that he's imitating. <laughs> imitating Curly was like a thing in the 80s. Like, do you remember like David Addison, uh, Bruce Willis's character on Moonlighting? He would yeah. do a lot of nyak, nyak, nyak. And Ted Danson on Cheers loved uh, the Three Stooges. That was like a thing he talked about a lot. I feel like but I man's, think it, man's man in a show would establish their masculinity by being into the Stooges. But I also think it is a thing that like 40-year-old men talked about in the 80s. Yeah. Like this comic was you know, read, read, being read by teens. Yes, but uh, written by these middle-aged men. Yeah, which has always been a problem. Uh, cause I had never been into the three stooges. I mean, I, but I, they're recognizable, I guess is the one thing they have going for them. Yeah. I do feel like it's still a thing. I'll, I'll every now and then hear somebody in real life go, certainly. I feel like people still love saying certainly. Ever hear that? That's pretty funny. I, uh, it feels like a thing Andy Samberg would say in Brooklyn nine, nine. <laughs> so yes, I can imagine it. Yeah. I do feel like it's something that movers say, or like, I'm going to like very LA now. If I'm ever like on set, which is uh, all the time, because I'm an incredibly successful actor. Sure. So like when you were filming the new Mission Impossible movie. Right. When I was filming the new Mission Impossible, I'm like, Tom, it's like this. I said, you know, uh, and he goes, the crew, like, he goes, Slightly. yeah, it was Tom Cruise who did it. Tom Cruise couldn't stop saying Slightly. He does a whole Stooges bit. He's like, okay, I'll be Mo. You be Larry. He like, he organizes it. Yeah, all. Yeah. He goes, okay, and I'll poke you in the eyes and you slap, you box my ears. Um, I don't know. I feel like guys doing crew, like setting up the yeah. lights and the mics are always like, so, you know, the director will be like, oh, let's get this over here. It's like, certainly chief. Like, well, seriously, I, I'll hear that joke there. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell were big uh, Three Stooges fans. Um, so they do a lot of Three Stooges-esque antics in there. But they're kind of 80s guys, comedies. right? Like that's Evil Dead was an 80s movie. Yes, for sure. Uh, they fit this uh, archetype greatly. They love slapsticks and people being hit. Uh, and they would always refer to um, extras, like featured extras that don't speak as fake shemps. <laughs> because in the um, Three Stooges shorts, after Shemp died, uh, they would they would like be fin- they were like finishing up something, so they would have like shots with like the back of somebody's head, and it would just be a fake Shemp for some scenes. Oh. Mm. Um, so uh, fake Shemp is a thing they use in a lot of their movies. 
So that's the end of the issue. And then there's like this like ancillary story that I barely understood. Uh, I love, I love it both. I agree. I also don't fully understand it, but I love it. It's got full Keith Giffen art, which I'm a fan. I of. did. I love the Keith Giffen art. Yes. I love that, but I just didn't get the story. Yeah. This is dealing with the global guardians who are slowly being seated as a threat. Um, they were the original international superhero team. Like each member of this team was from an international, from a different country. Uh, yes. And they've been replaced by the Justice League International. I don't know how much the Global Guardians actually existed in comics. I mean, they for sure did exist. I never heard of them before this comic, but I didn't read much DC. I don't think they were a big deal. Keith Kiffinard is really interesting. Like, look at this first panel. It's a newsman addressing, you know, the the uh, audience or whatever. And yeah. then that same panel is in the second row in the middle and then in the third row on the right side. So it makes like a little diagonal thing across the page, like a tic-tac-toe pattern. Yeah, and it's photostatted. It's the same exact image. It's, exa- it's cut and paste, right? Yeah. Whatever. This is a thing current artists do sometimes, and it, it often drives me crazy. They'll use it for a comedic effect. But they do it like what Keith Giffen is doing on this page is just there's something to it. There's a little it's being used to like break up the page somewhat. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like it's just to cut corners. It is It is part of the delivery. It isn't just, well, why change his face? He's still just delivering the news. Yeah. And I think a lot of times artists today who do this technique are just sort of going, well, why change it? I'll just use the same image. And, I, and that sounds mean, but I've read a lot of comics where I just see it over and over again. I'm like, this is just the same image. This doesn't work in a comic book. It's It's a static image. It like something should change a little bit, but when Keith Giffen does it, he often is doing it for some other reason, and that is true here. Um, but there's barely the, any faces, right? It's mostly buildings and empty rooms. Yeah, this is true about Keith Giffen art too. It, it it has a distinct look, which I really enjoy, and I like that he has his own style. I like each panel, but it's always hard for me to kind of know what's going on in a Keith Giffen drawn thing. It's like. He does such intense close-ups that I never get a lay of the land. And so I kind of, in general, don't know what's going on when Keith Giffen is doing the art. I don't mind it because it's compelling to look at, but I get lost. You got to read him a little slower. He doesn't spell things out for you. He did a, a run of Suicide Squad uh, that was not great, um, but it got better as it went along. But I remember reading the first issue and I was like, I don't know who's ever talking because it would always be captions from like wide shots. So it's like you couldn't have the balloons going to anybody. And it's like, I don't know who's on this team. I don't know who's talking to each other. I don't know who any of these characters are. And it just assumed you'd figure it out. And you know, I did. The general gist I get here is that these global guardians are mad that justice league has sort of taken their place as the international team. Mm -hmm. And there's some infighting and I get a feeling that the characters are being established, but I can't quite keep track of it. And, uh, it just sort of ends with them saying, this isn't over. We're going to take our stand at some point. And that's kind of it, right? Yeah. Um, we, we meet some of the characters. We meet Owl Woman and Jack-O-Lantern and okay. Dr. Mist. Yeah. Right? Are those are the three that we meet? Yeah. Like, what's going on in this first page when somebody's looking at a computer screen and we see, like, an info card on Tasmanian Devil and it's like prepared for direct feed to Justice League computers. 
Justice League International computers and then Bushmaster. Like, I don't know what's going on. I think it's sort of saying that Justice League has gotten, it's getting all their information. It's getting their files. Like they've been compelled to give up their info. Uh, Tasmanian Devil ends up working with the Justice League to some extent. He He works in the Australian embassy. But I don't know if that's what's being established here. I think it's just like these files are being completely transferred over. Because uh, then after the, the last one beeps, uh, Owl Woman, who I don't know if is named, goes, well, that's the last of it. We're finished. Okay. Again, these characters aren't really named well. And since we don't know them, they haven't been shown in this comic before. It is very confusing. Jack-o'-lantern shows up a lot. Um, so you get to know him very well in the Justice League comics. Some of the other ones you don't. Is he the Jimmy Smith looking dude? No, uh, Jack Lantern's the guy with the full face mask. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he seems upset. He's it, the, This story ends with him looking at the dome of some building, which they told us what it was, but I forgot what it was, and he flies towards it. It ain't over yet to be continued. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I like stylistic art styles that are individual, but I was confused. Uh, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a taste. It's not supposed to make any sense. It's just like something's going on is yeah. all you need to know. It, it's forebodingness. Um, because I think we'll have a few more issues that end with like a little bit of Keith Giffen art. And uh, a few of them do deal with this. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, not Guardians of the Galaxy. Global Guardians. The next issue also ends with a Keith Giffen short dealing with Jack O'Lantern. I'm excited for it. So it's something that's being seeded. Um it doesn't pay off completely in Justice League International, I'll say. It moves over to Justice League Europe, which when we get mm. to Justice League Europe, I'm going to make my bizarre claim that I think Justice League Europe might be better. And part of that is because all this stuff that was sort of set up here is abandoned and pays off in another comic. I will agree with you, even though I do not have an opinion, just because I respect your opinion so much. I assume you're right. And I wonder... What will be the repercussions of this podcast coming out so hard against Justice League International? Yeah, I'm saying that it is not quite as good as Justice League Europe. And that is a slap in the face. It's also interesting because, like, no question when you think Justice League International, you think Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Guy Gardner. Yeah. Those three, none of whom are in Justice League Europe. Right. So, for sure, the imprint and Maxwell Lord, who's also not in Justice League Europe... Yeah. Like, so the form in Fire and Ice, I would say, right up there, too. And John Jones, like, it's yep. all people on this team. Nobody from Europe makes as big an imprint. Maybe a elongated man in Captain Adam a little bit. Rocket Red's yeah. over there eventually. But those are all, like, second-tier Justice League International characters. Who are already second-tier in the, in the DC universe. Yeah. Um, but it, just something about reading it, like, the balance of humor to action was better. Uh, the uh, the characters who are in Justice League Europe are actually powerful. By the time Justice League Europe launches, Justice League America has like nobody with powers. Yeah. It, it, and it's like, how is this a team? Anyway, um, um, I'll get, well, I'll, we, I'll, I'll we, keep talking about that, but uh, that's the end of this issue. Well, what was your favorite part? My favorite part was, um, Captain Adam, Plugging in the plug and saying, here's a job for Captain Adam. How about you? Uh, my favorite part is probably John Jones falling through the ceiling. 
Very, that's a, right in the same the same stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, both my favorite two parts are probably John Jones because I also enjoy his reaction to the shuttle crashing through this, the roof. Yeah. Um, it's really just a nice, the whole issue is nice. I mean, it really has, you're right, the tone has arrived. Mm-hmm. That's kind of fun. Yeah. This is Justice League um, where there'll be issues where they just like go on dates and go out to movies and stuff. And they don't deal with super villains. Is there any comic like that in modern mainstream superhero comics? This is really unique, right? Um, to have such a kind of prominent title just live like do, this? That doesn't do action at all. I don't know. I mean, Squirrel Girl You'd occasionally have an X-Men issue back in the Claremont days. It would never be comedic, but you would have a non-action X-Men issue where they were just sort of talking about stuff. Would it be non-action or wouldn't there be like some danger Usually, room sequence at the very I, least? I think I remember one where Colossus and Kitty Pryde are breaking up and that was like a whole issue. And like, I didn't read a lot of that era of X-Men, even though I bet I'd love it because I bet it yeah. holds up pretty well. Oh man. It's it the coolest. It's rare. I think when comics do this and I think when they do it, they're doing this. I mean, they're there. Yeah. You know, they're pulling from Justice League International sort of sitcom superhero style. Cause even recently, um, Kelly Thompson, a writer I love, uh, did a comic West Coast Avengers. And in that comic, I'm going to talk about this a little more with one of our emails. Um, it was a comedic superhero comic, but there's action in every issue. Hmm. And I mean, it was comedic. It was silly. Yeah. At times, but they fought silly threats. Um, should we get to our emails? Yes, Will. Let's do it. I'm looking something up so I can refer to it. Great. Uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com and you might get your email read on the show. Yep. You can also uh, tweet at us at screwitcomics. So the the Gmail is screwitspidey, but the Twitter and Instagram is screwitcomics. Mm-hmm. And please do email us and please do look at our Instagram. Uh, we're really proud of it. In fact, the first thing I'm going to read is actually going to be from our Instagram. Um Somebody okay. posted. So if you remember last episode or no, maybe this is two episodes ago uh, because of how we record. Uh, we, yeah. Somebody asked us to map. No, this is the last episode. Somebody asked us to map 70s detectives to the Justice yeah. League International team. I just posted the clip of that, even though the episode hasn't dropped yet, um, where we are trying to where we are saying we can't do this. Yeah. Um, Stuart Watson, who follows us on Instagram, says Black Canary is Angie Dickinson in Policewoman. Blue Beetle is Columbo. Martian Manhunter is Ironsides. Mr. Miracle and Barda are McMillian, McMillian and Wife. Batman is Banachek. Captain Marvel is Bar- Barnaby Jones. Barnaby Jones. Guy Gardner sees himself as Dirty Harry, but no really good analog for him. How about Beretta? Go ahead. Uh, and my, my response was just... Uh, Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I assume that's, that's true. That's impressive. Thank you very much, Stuart. Uh, Stuart says we can record, re-record the the previous episode with these, claiming these as our answers if we want. Once once we get time travel, that'll be the first thing we do. Uh, but anyway, I enjoyed that somebody had answers for this. Uh, it, it's, I mean, I heard some of those names, <laughs> so uh, it sounds it sounds true. Uh, great. So here's some emails. Well, okay. Uh, Jonathan or John Inbody, Inbody, Milksop Supreme emails us, <laughs> um, 
First of all, uh, thank you both for the show. It's an absolute delight. Second, as asked in the subject line of this email, have you considered covering the original Jack Kirby run of OMAC on the show? It's a pretty short series full of Kirby's usual big crazy ideas and the colorful dystopian sci-fi setting would give you plenty of stuff to discuss. Uh, Have you heard of OMAC? I have not heard of it. It's like one man army something. I think he loves his acronyms. Um, and he's, yeah, it's, it's a whole, I've never read it either. Uh, it's a, it's a character I'm aware of, but beyond that, I don't know much about it. Uh, like he is somehow, he works with like brother eye, which is like a satellite in the sky that turns somebody into OMAC who then fights people. Uh, he has a big, severe metal looking Mohawk. Um, anyway, he's a character. I think it's unlikely we would cover it just because neither of us have read those comics. So we don't have like a connection. Yeah. To we them. don't have an emotional connection to it. Although, I mean, I mean, I'm interested in anything Kirby, but I, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, it's possible, but, um, it would be a little ways down the line. Um, I'd rather do something about Modoc if I'm going to do a crazy Kirby yeah, thing, but I've also never read many Modoc comics. Me either. I just think it's the funniest acronym, although it got changed, right? Uh, it gets changed here and there because uh, in the cartoons they don't they use conquest instead of killing. Yeah, because they don't want to say killing in a cartoon. Modoc is like mobile organism designed only for killing or yeah, something like that. That's basically that. Yeah, yeah. Um, tree, I guess, emails us. Hey guys, really enjoying the Justice League issue so far. But while while I love the writing, the lineup leaves me wanting. And not Mm -hmm. because it's a bunch of quirky B-listers, a ton of white dudes besides Black Canary, and she seems not to get much to do besides crack the occasional joke. Mm. Uh, For that matter, a lot of the characters feel wasted to me, and there's often too many of them for each of them to have things to do. Martian Manhunter and Captain Marvel have too similar a power set. Mr. Miracle seems to mostly just float around on those discs. Blue Beetle and Booster Gold are both great, but also feel a little redundant as gadget-based heroes. Then he lists his ideal Justice League lineup. Uh, curious if there are more recent Justice League runs that you've enjoyed. I mostly like Grant Morrison's, but haven't read anything later than that. Thanks for the quarantine listening. Uh, response. Hmm, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, um, he's definitely right. Like, I mean, on the white male front, 100% right. And also yeah. that's true of almost every comic book of this era. That's certainly true of this one. Yes. Um, I mean, our so modern progressive it, eyes can see that very clearly. It didn't stand out to me when I was a 17-year-old white boy in Connecticut, but it certainly makes sense. Yeah. It definitely is a problem they're still dealing with because all these previously created characters are all just white dudes. So even when they like make lineups, even if they dig deep, it's like, it's just more white men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the issue of like their powers being redundant, absolutely true. And a lot of them have nothing to do. Yes, probably we should look at the characters being redundant because this is more of a character-based thing than a power yes. thing anyway. And that is also true. There's also redundancy there. I think it is some redundancy, particularly in the issues we've covered, but I think that is being cleaned up with like... Um, uh, like Captain uh, Marvel's gone now, for Captain example. Marvel's gone, right. And I think Booster Gold and Blue Beetle being similar personalities works. They play off of each other. Well, because they're uh, also treated as a pair. Yes. So they are sort of one entity in the book. Uh, I think it gets fixed a little bit with Fire and Ice who come in because Ice is a very distinct personality and Fire is a very distinct personality. Right. Because um, one is like the aggressive alpha female and one is sort of the quiet yeah. um, passive beta female. It also gives a little more gender parity. That helps. Yeah, though they replace Black Canary, so not by a ton. 
Oh yeah, never mind. Um, um, and although Dimitri, they, they, they're a bigger part of the story than Black Canary ever was. Yes, like, they're they get, like big characters in the. They stories. get to do a lot. Uh, while Dimitri Rocket Red's in the team, he's fun. His na- naivete is really fun uh, to bounce off people. I think Guy Gardner, both his personalities are very distinct from everybody else. So I think the personalities work more or less. I don't have an issue with that. And I guess what happens in a big ensemble book is if somebody has boring powers or a boring personality, they're just not given a lot of time. So they don't clutter really. Like you see, you know, Oberon gives them the mission that you don't see from Oberon again. Yeah. And I definitely do agree that like the, the, for the action parts, the power sets being similar is sort of a knock against it. It's one of the reasons I'm going to talk about Justice League Europe again is a little <laughs> better. Um, they have less of that. But yeah, I mean, like Mr. Miracle and Blue Beetle and Booster Gold rarely uses his powers. They're just dudes in tights running around. Yeah. Uh, Ice uses her powers more than Booster Gold does when she gets on the team. Um, um, you're, so I guess we agree with you and it just... We just don't care. It, it's still We still enjoy the book, but I think all your criticisms are dead on. Thank you for emailing. Um Nolan emails. Oh, well, you didn't say, do you like any Justice League lineups after? I, I haven't read any. So oh, I yeah. Um, the Grant Morrison one that he talks about is great. Um, it, that's where he, they bring in back the big seven. Sort of an, almost in response to this era, but it works. It's, it's, sure. it's the A-listers and it, it's treated as such, but it also deals with the continuity of the books. It really, it really did work. Um, I... Uh, uh, Beyond that, I don't know. I don't really like the current stuff very much. Um, so the cartoon is probably my next favorite, um, which is a lame answer probably, but it's true. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. No other real Justice League team has spoken to me uh, beyond the, the those two runs. Yeah. Watchmen is my next favorite. Justice League. I really love uh, Justice League Avengers, the Kurt Busiek, George Perez crossover. The Justice League is great in that comic. Mm. Um, uh, it's tremendous. Kurt was did a short run on Justice League, and it was okay. I think if he had done a longer run, I would have loved it. Uh, Christopher funny, like Priest a, did a short run, too. That was a really fun six-issue arc, but it was an arc. It wasn't like... It doesn't feel like the, it's his team ever. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that Justice League is kind of a better name than the Avengers, I think. Yes. Rules off the tongue better. It's more terse. It's more powerful. I mean, I, the Avengers, because of the movies right now, is a much bigger footprint in the American cultural mind space than Justice League, I think. Yeah. Um, but um, Justice League is a better name. I think the Defenders is a better name than the Avengers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It makes more sense for what they are. Yeah. Yeah, what are you avenging? You what's the, why so wrath based? Yeah, they they have to work that into the movie sometimes, and it seems silly. But yeah, uh, got time for a few more? Yes. All right, I'm going to take your yes as a yes. We have an email Fair. here from Nolan. Um, this is in response to sort of my not liking Doctor Fate. His email subject is Doctor Fate is great. J.M. DeMatties writes, and Keith Giffen arts up a four-issue run on Dr. Fate in, I think, 1980, but it's great and worth checking out. Uh, and I, I'm aware of that. I haven't read it, so I'm going to. I'm 1980. Not. It must be 1990, right? No, it was prior or around oh. this time, I think. Well, this is 87. Yeah, I think it was before this run, though. Mm, okay. They did, like, a four-issue limited series, and then I think J.M. DeMatties stayed on it. I'm going to look that up. 
Um, but uh, I'm going to read it. Um, yeah, well, if they do it, I bet you it's great. Yeah, I, I'm still unsure. Dr. Fate is such a tough sell. Uh, uh, I really loved, as I've said, I think previously when we were talking about it, the William Messner Loeb's run that um, overlaps with this Justice League era. Uh, and I think it was really great. But other than that... It, look, it looks like they did the Dr. Fate series the same year of Justice League. came out in 87. Okay, so a so little, maybe just after... Just started. after Justice, Justice League started, yeah. I guess at that point their ticket was punched. It was just like Keith Giffen and James DeMettis want to do Doctor Fate. Let them have it. Yeah. Um. So here's a great email from Kevin. Um, who's got his own site? Kevin's commentary on comics. Okay. Or it's a it's a YouTube channel. Yes, it's a YouTube channel. Um. And he's listening to episode six where uh. Uh, where we were listening, I- iconic Justice League members, and we leave out Black Canary, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, he goes, Black Canary was introduced in 1947 and was a member of the Justice Society of America, which I think, did I not mention that? I should have. Um, okay, to be fair, in the ever-changing DCU, the original Black Canary is the current Black Canary's mother, but still a classic character. They screwed up in this Justice League book, was putting her in this god-awful costume, should have left her in her classic fishnet stockings. Always felt bad that you guys uh, anyway, felt bad that you guys didn't let Canary through the glass ceiling. You have obviously set up for your male oriented justice league icons. And then there's like a little <laughs> smiley face. Uh, love yeah. the show. Um, the black Canary is weird. I, I feel like you did mention that she was in justice society, or at least you said, I think she was in justice society or something. Uh, I, I, I maybe left it out. Um, I believe I'm going to believe him. His name is Kevin. He sounds smart. <laughs> um, black Canary is weird too, because at some point during this era, Maybe because of Crisis, they removed Wonder Woman as a founding member of the Justice League and replaced her with Black Canary. So there's a Justice League Year One series by Wade, Mark Wade, with Black Canary and the big remaining six. Um, yeah. So like, just because they couldn't, for whatever reasons, the higher ups decided Wonder Woman couldn't be in it, so they put Black Canary in it. Okay. Um, uh, I do like Black Canary. I don't like her in the series. I don't. I also don't care. People always say like, uh, if she was in fishnet stockings, she'd be just as boring in this series. She doesn't get much to do. Yeah. Um, she's great in Birds of Prey, the comic that Chuck Dixon uh, mostly wrote mm-hmm. initially, and then Gail Simone took over um, with Oracle. She's phenomenal in that comic, and I love her. That's where I learned to love her. I'd never read the Green Arrow series that she uh, that she was sort of a co lead of. Yeah. Um, and then she's great in the cartoons. She's really good in Justice League Unlimited. I made you, I think, watch an episode with her going on a double date with Question and... Uh, Who's the Question date? It's Black Canary, Green Arrow, Question, and Huntress go on a double date. <laughs> uh, and I watched all the Justice League Unlimited episodes. Yeah. So that's like really fun. And she's great in that. She was also great in the um, Young Justice cartoon that I only watched the first two seasons the third season is on the DC universe app, which I don't have. Uh, but she sort of trains all the younger heroes and she's really fun on that. So black Canary can be great. Um, but she just doesn't do much in this comic and left no imprint on me as a young child reading it. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's Huntress, black Canary, green arrow, Huntress and the question, man. I love the question on that cartoon. 
Uh, he's very funny, this sort of conspiracy-minded nutcase. He also uses the word Brob Dignagian, which is like an insanely big word to hear in a cartoon. It actually means uh, nonplussed. <laughs> Doesn't mean that. Um, that's what we call a callback. <laughs> We're professional comedians, as you probably know, because you're laughing so much, audience. Uh, our friend Eric Tenoy wrote us, Will. Wow. In a recent episode of our podcast, we described a scene where Shazam threw a rocket Martian Manhunter. You mentioned that John Jones would make a good UFC fighter. Uh, and Eric Tenoy is a UFC fan. I still Which don't know. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense if you know him. Uh, you don't, listeners, except for you, Eric. You don't. Um, he loves Fast and Furious, UFC, and nothing else that fits into those categories. That's right. Uh, there is he likes buying like 10 used books at a time from used bookstores mm-hmm. um, of a wide variety of topics. Yes. He uh, generally only likes movies uh, that four or fewer people have seen. Yeah. Once a fifth person has seen it, it's sort of He's overrated. He's like, eh, I didn't care for it. Yeah. Um, anyway, he mentions that there is, in fact, a UFC champion named John Jones. <laughs> He's called John Bones Jones, but his name is John Jones. I do not know of any UFC fighters named Shazam. <laughs> so that's a little tidbit there for us. Thank you, Eric. Uh, I got a few more. Great. We have an email from a dearest milksops, Paul Miller oh. here, writing from Dublin, Ireland. Ah. A quick question for the amazing Spider Bros. Are you aware of the short run of the series New Warriors where the team were the stars of their own reality TV show? I am. I'm sure Will is not. I am not. Have you heard of the New Warriors? No. Okay. Speedball was on that team. To, uh, Ditko. Uh, Ditko. Dink. Ding. Um, so uh, they, they were a big part of the Civil War comic book event. He talks about that. I'm not going to get into it. Um okay. My question is, if you could see any superhero team already established or newly imagined adapted to film TV in the form of a mockumentary reality TV show, a la What We Do in the Shadows, which team would you choose? I'll take the Enforcers as a given. So he's not letting us choose the Enforcers. Well, that's what I was going to pick. So he's one step ahead of you. Yeah. Um, so uh, what do you got for us, Will? I would say, hmm... What we do in the shadow style? Well, it's got to be some, you know uh, frightful four. So you're gonna you think it's got to be villains? I think it'd be funnier to see the villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm being influenced how what we do in the shadows was vampires. Right, right from from Long Island. Mm-hmm. Yo, hey, jeez, hey. Louise, give me some blood over here, Alec Baldwin. I'm turning into a bat over here. <laughs> what am I gonna get on a highway? Um. Yeah, who would I pick? Um, you know, um, it, it, obviously this Justice League team would work, especially the depowered Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, yeah. Mr. Miracle team would work. It's what we're reading now. If I wasn't going to choose those guys, um, yeah, I would want it to be a, a bunch of inferior characters. And actually the West Coast Avengers that I talked about earlier by Kelly Thompson did do a they were a reality TV show as well. So they did mm. like uh, confessionals to the camera and they had a bunch of weird characters. Um, 
So I think it could work. Uh, it might work with like something like the Thunderbolts, a later era Thunderbolts series. That's fun. Um, just because they have such strong personalities. Um, uh, Thunderbolts would be like Songbird, if you know who that is. Mach 1, um, <laughs> Meteorite. Hawkeye Baron was on the Zima? team for a bit. Baron Zemo was not on the era I'm thinking of because he's just out and out evil. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you sort of want them to be incompetent. There was a very brief period where uh, a bunch of Spider-Man, uh, James DeMatty's, I think was writing Spider-Man, a bunch of his uh, uh, weird characters that sort of just came out of the woodwork um, formed a sort of team of losers. <laughs> and it was like the fabulous frog man, the spectacular spider kid and somebody else sort of formed a team. Spectacular spider kid <laughs> was a guy in a Spider-Man costume with Doc Ock arms. It was a weird <laughs> team. I mean, they would work. I don't know. Is that an answer? I think it is. Great. Um, one more. Um, no, that's it. All right. That's it, Will. Um, well, Kevin, thank you everybody for emailing. And please email us at uh, screwitspuddy at gmail. And uh, Kevin, good job. And I'm excited to come back here for issue number nine. Yeah. Next issue, we're going to deal with uh, sort of the Millennium crossover. Have you read the, Have you read ahead to these issues? No, I haven't. The Millennium crossover is bad. So if you're reading along, don't worry about it. Just read the issues. Okay. They hold up on their own. They explain enough about what's going on. If you're reading okay. in the trade... They put it like an info page just to tell you what you need to know, which is like a paragraph. Millennium okay. is a bad crossover. I tried to read it recently. And if you love it, I guess email in and defend it to me. But I, I found it bad. Okay. Um, but these two issues are still pretty good Justice League issues. Uh, this was a really fun one, so I'm glad we read it. And I'll see you back here for issue number nine, Kevin. Bye, Will. Bye-bye. Screw it. Screw it. Screw it. Comics. This is Betsy Stover. And I'm Amanda Allen. And we do a podcast called Why Mommy Drinks. Each episode we have a guest and we all share a story of a time that our kids drove us to drink. Parenting isn't easy, but it sure can be funny. Listen to us on Campfire Media. Why Mommy Drinks. Campfire.